As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. Let me begin by stating the obvious. Our world is divided. We can see it. We can experience it. We know it. I don't have to list all the things that are causing us division. The problem is our churches are divided too. And the church has fallen into the trap where we've succumbed to the same division. As a pastor, as your pastor, like it's, it's killing me to, to see this. Hey man, sorry for no joke to get us started. Those online, sorry man. It's a pretty serious message today. Our staff is united against this. Man, we're experiencing something that I just, full candor, I'd never experienced in 21 years of ministry. Th- thought I saw it all. Thought I was prepared. Used to say, man, you know what? Hey, nothing surprises me. Last 18, 20 months. Dang, I'm surprised. But what you may not realize is that the church in Ephesus, the one we're studying, they were divided too. Wasn't the same specific issues, but kind of was. They were divided politically. They were divided as they were bringing Jews and Gentiles together. They were divided ethnically and racially. They were divided spiritually. And so Paul, he wrote this letter to unite them. And the verses that we're studying today, I can't tell you how, like I've been wrestling this week, man, this is right on top. So how can we fight the divide? How can we not blow our Christian witness? That's what's happening. How can we make sure, I say we, We make sure that the people that we disagree with, we don't treat them as enemies. We treat them as friends. We don't fight with them as enemies. We, We learn from them as friends and as brothers and sisters in Christ. That's the message. If you have a Bible, open up to Ephesians chapter four if you haven't been there already. What I want to give to you are four marks of a unified church. These are the marks that Paul came up with. It's not an exhaustive list, but it's an inspired list. Because although they came from the hand of Paul, they came straight from the heart of God. And so that's what we're looking at. And so first mark, without any further ado, let's take a look at it. Unified churches, they disciple. That's what the heart backbone is. We've got to disciple, train, teach, They're people, 
to walk in a way that pleases God. Do you think God's pleased right now with the church? Are you kidding me? Let me be the prophet for all those watching. No, he's not. Been reading through Isaiah in my personal time with the Lord. Whoa. That's why I know he's not pleased. So look how Paul starts. Because he says, I therefore, and and let's take these words one at a time, these phrases. Therefore, this is what he's doing. He's looking back at chapters one through three that we've already studied. And those chapters, anytime you see the word therefore, you ask the question, what's it there for? It's a look back. Chapters one and three were all about unity, but it was about unity in doctrine, what we believe. That's what Paul talked about. Now, chapters four through six, which will take us to Easter, studying line by line, verse by verse, word by word, he's talking about how do you be united in putting that doctrine into practice? That's where he's going. And and so he says, prisoner of the Lord, he's reminding you, I got a ball and chain right now in prison. I urge you, urge here is not, hey, I just, you know, I got a couple thoughts for you today. Just like to recommend a couple things. Oh no, that ain't it. I'm not recommending anything, man. This is a mandate from the Lord to walk in a way that is worthy of the calling to which you've been called. I can just feel his heart, tear in his eye. And this word walk, it's a picture. If, if you know, Paul uses it often, it's throughout the Bible. It's, it's a picture of the Christian life. So think about a walk. You go on a walk with a friend or you go on a walk with your spouse. Walks are intentional. Walks are purposeful. Walks are relational. We're walking with God and other people. And it's intentional. We're trying to get someplace in the church. It's purposeful. It's relational. We, we're talking. And so what does he say? He says, worthy of the calling to which you've been called. So this is interesting. This double click on this worthy. It's, it, in its original language, it means... It's like the scales. Do you remember that? It's kind of old school, like how you weigh something. And it's the idea of scale. So he's saying you've got to balance two things, your calling and your conduct. By your calling, the way you've been called by faith to live the Christian life in the church, in unity with other people, in Christian community, by Call, by, by, by integrity or conduct, you got to walk in a way that's pleasing to him, pursuing growth and maturity in Christ. Man, what's that look like? So glad you asked in an intense message. Get one little smile. <laughs> he gives us four words. I literally, I wrote these myself, these definitions, after I studied this, and I literally put them on the screen because I I don't want to mess them up. Four words. First, he starts with humility. What's humility? Humility is, it literally means to see ourselves as God sees us with infinite and inherent value, but with no more value than anyone else. See, that was the disunity. I'm better. Because why? Well, because I'm Jewish. Because I 
I'm Italian? Because I, it, not, none of it, we, we see ourselves as God sees us. With no what? With, with infinite inherent value, but, but we don't compare, I'm better than you because of the color of my skin. We demonstrate humility when we treat others with respect and dignity, no matter if we agree, no matter disagree with them. You know, there's the unity piece. Doesn't matter. And then second word in the text, gentleness. Gentleness literally means power under control. And we demonstrate gentleness when we keep our strength and our emotions in check, easier for some than others. Whether we're in the majority or the minority, whether we're in charge or not in charge, whether it's going our way, it's not going our way. Like, like we keep our power under control. We're not going to lose it. We're third word. Again, what do we do? It's balance. Calling, balance, integrity, and conduct. He, he's telling us to do this. It requires humility to keep the balance. It requires gentleness. It requires patience. Patience is the ability to endure delay, difficulty, discomfort without getting all upset. And we demonstrate this when we can remain calm as things aren't going our way, it didn't go the way we thought, we didn't get that promotion, man, that didn't work out, or, or, or we're not, you know, things are not in our favor, man. You know what? I, I'm going against the grain here. Are we not going against the grain in our world? Got to have patience. It's the balance. And then lastly, he says, bearing with one another in love. Listen up, church. Can we get united in calling and conduct? That, that's what he's saying. Bearing with one another is the willingness to put up with someone. Maybe they're sitting next to you. Maybe they're in the row behind you. I'm going to put up with someone or something without complaining, without disrespecting, without ridiculing, no matter what the circumstance, no, no matter what the, the, the situation. So we demonstrate bearing with one another in love when we don't bail, we don't turn on each other, we don't fight with each other over things that are trivial and trite. Again, he's calling us to balance our calling, our conduct. Give me an amen if we're on target this morning. I mean, I couldn't believe it when I read this passage. I'm like, I, I plan this, we plan this out, our pastors, and, and we talk about where we're going. I mean, it's like six months ago. Like, man, God really hit us this time. Message going to all our locations. Same message. Different speakers. And, and so why are we trying to do this? Well, Paul answers it. Because we're eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So that's the bullseye. Unity. Togetherness. Brotherhood. Sisterhood. Th that's what we want. Second mark, he, he gives us this. Unified churches hold firmly to the basic tenets of the faith. Some things I gotta hold firmly to. Some other things I just gotta be a little looser with. That's what Paul goes next. Now let me set this up with 21 years of ministry experience at our church that I love. I'm gonna put the t on the table the issues 
that have led to division over 21 years at our church that people left over, that people got upset over, that people wrote me an email over, all caps, email, in red. Got my fair share of those. So thankful Steve gets them now. I have this little computer program when it's all caps and red, it goes right to Steve. Executive pass. Damn, I shouldn't have told you that. Three things. Worthy of writing down. Personal preferences, that's the first one. It's not a biblical thing. It's a personal preference. Hey, you know what? I, I, did, I don't like the way they did the, I don't, know what was, I, I don't even know what was going on. I came in and people are praying up here. I don't know what's going on. I didn't know. I, I'm, I'm sure it was awesome. I, I didn't like that. I, why did we, we do that? I don't like this chair. It's not comfortable. I, I'm just telling over the years. Personal preference. Theological hobby horses. Oh, this is a big one. Did you know that Jesus is coming back in 2015? Well, it's kind of 2021 right now. I guess you missed that. Now you laugh, but I can remember the guy who wrote me the letter and gave me the date of when Jesus was coming back and then left the church. That one wasn't all caps. <laughs> it's theological hobby horses, the things that... Third thing, I'll call this... Um, pet projects, or let me say it a different way. It's kind of like this idea that we've got these things that we want to do, or these ministries that we believe in, or these things that are really important to us. So they're like pet passion projects. Hey, Habitat for Humanity, are you guys doing that? Hey, you know what? We got a missionary over here I'm supporting. Are you doing that? Well, no. I'm leaving. You laugh. I, I've been through We've been through it. Let me be clear. We want to celebrate what you're called to. But just because you're called to it doesn't mean we are as a church. Because we're called to stuff too. And you can't be divided and support everything. Or you support nothing. Once you get on board with us. Well, that's a different conversation. I'm just saying, like, like so these pet projects are all good things, but, but that's, God's called you to do it. That's why I believe, and I, I believe these, these three things that have caused division in the church over the years and that I've seen and experienced, I think Paul had them going on too. And so he's like, hey guys, let me just tell you the seven basic tenets. These are the things that are important. I won't say to leave over, but these are the negotiables. This is according to Paul. So if it's on his list, I, I think it ought to be on ours. So let's go through this. He says, one body. Capital C Church. There's one body, man. There's no little sect over here. You, you, you know you guys over in Alabama? You don't have it all. It's not just you that are going to heaven. One body made up of capital C church, made up of all believers over all time that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the church. And then he says, one spirit. Now his focus, he talks a lot about the Holy Spirit. Interesting, third person the Trinity is mentioned. He's gonna mention the second person and the first, all here. Starts three. When do you get the spirit? Well, we get the spirit at conversion. That's what we learned in Ephesians chapter one. Um, one baptism of the Spirit, 
many fillings. He's going to talk about that in Ephesians 5, that we're filled with the Spirit. It permeates our whole being. So, it, Spirit's really important. And, and then he talks about one hope. And so here, he's referring specifically to the return of Jesus Christ. That Jesus is coming back. And, and hope here is different in that, you know, it's not like, hey, I hope the Bears win. They may or may not. Could be a pipe dream. This is certainty. We're not hoping Jesus come back. He is coming back. Hope is different here in biblical terms. And I love um, how Titus calls it. He says, he talks about the blessed hope that, that Jesus is coming back. And then he says, one Lord, second person of the Trinity, Jesus is Lord. And, and so Paul writes in another place, he says, Everyone's gonna, every tongue's going to confess, every knee's going to bow, Jesus Christ is Lord. He's talking about the deity of Jesus Christ. That, man, you know, can you stop fighting over personal preferences and start holding firm to the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ in your own life? And then he says, one faith. Don't be confused. He's not talking about your individual faith story, which you have one. Uh, interesting, today, um, October 31st, Jody and I, this is our day of salvation. We both came to Jesus Christ on October 31st at the same time, in the same office, through the same prayer. Awesome stuff. So, so some good things do happen on Halloween. Oh boy. Halloween didn't make this list. It's on this one. It's just crazy. Can we just have a little freedom? And so he's not talking about my faith story or your faith story. Maybe yours was a season or a period. He's talking about the faith, the body of truth that we believe in. Jude says, contend for the faith. Man, I love that. I, I hope my life, on my tombstone, it says that I contended for the faith. Man, that I went after it with my whole heart because I wouldn't know Jesus if it didn't want this book. And, and I don't worship the book. I worship the God in the book, but, but we're losing it, guys. In our pursuit of the gospel, we're replacing that with an, not an adherence to the gospel that's record biblical truth. Got to be a men and women who contend for the faith. The body of truth. And Paul's laying it out. This is what the truth is. That's what keeps us going. Why is our word divided? I mean, does anyone even ever say absolute truth anymore? You're not allowed to. Well, that's kind of what this says. There's absolute truth. Believe it or not. And then he says one baptism. Dual meaning here is talking about your um, personal um, affirmation to the faith as you are baptized in the waters of baptism as it represents the death and burial of Christ. But he's also talking about our baptism that we're all baptized into one spirit and we're one body. And then he ends, 
Third person of the Trinity, Spirit. Second person of the Trinity, Lord Jesus. Third person of the Trinity, God. And look at his emphasis. And Father of all, who is over all, through all, in all. I love his emphasis because Paul's like, this is your dad. And he writes about him being a father more than, you know, the most, I think. I, I really do. I should check that, but I'm pretty sure. And, and it's just like a new concept to them. And it's like, you've got a heavenly father. Maybe your earthly father disappointed you. Maybe your earthly father bailed on you. Maybe your earthly father said some things to you that aren't, he's nothing like that. And so these are the basic tenets of the faith. These are the things to go after. Personal preferences. Man, stop fighting over it. Theological hobby horses. Pet passion projects. You think I'm joking. Like, like, I'm not joking at all. Next um, mark of a unified church. Unified churches fulfill their role in building up the body of Christ. Now here Paul does something kind of unique. Let me kind of walk us through. This is the majority, 7 through 14 verses. It's kind of the meat of the of this little body of text. And so first what Paul does is, go to verse seven, thanks guys. He talks about how are we gonna fulfill our role? How are we gonna do that? Well, he uses an interesting word. It's through the gifts that he gives you. So he equips us, he gives us gifts, spiritual gifts to fulfill the role in building up the body. But he calls it grace. He says, but grace was given to each one of us, you, every single person has a gift to the measure of Christ's gifts. Wow. So why does he use grace? I think, I don't know, but I, I think it's because you don't deserve it. And I think it's because it's not yours. And too many people are using their spiritual gifts to do what? They're prostituting the gifts to build their own kingdom instead of God's kingdom. That, that's never good. And so he calls it a gift of grace that we've all been given a grace to get a gift. Now it comes to a kind of a hard part in the text. Um, Paul answers this next question. He kind of lays out and he says, well, okay, if, if we were all given a gift, this is how you fulfill the role. Like, like who makes it possible for you to do this? And then it gets kind of difficult here because he's quoting Psalm 68 which is about a military conquest and a victory. And he's comparing that to the military or to the victory that we have in Christ through his death and his resurrection. And he's saying, just like that old story where they got the spoil and they won the war, we've won the war, we get the spoil because of not you, but because of the victory in Christ. That's why he says um, in Ephesians chapter eight, Chapter 4, verse 8. Therefore, it says, he's quoting this psalm. When he ascended, but he's, he's talking about Jesus now. He's using the illustration. You get that? He ascended high, and 
led a host of captives and he gave gifts to all men. And in saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended in the lower regions of the earth and where, where he descended is the one who also ascended far above all things in the heavens that he might fill all things. He died, he was resurrected. He, he, he won, man! Just like that guy in the Old Testament. We got a victory. And so you've been given a gift and, and how do we fulfill the role? Understanding that that we can only do this because of who Christ is. And then um, he says, well, think of it this way, the next few verses, put them on the screen. Why do we have these gifts? Why, do we, why are we fulfilling this role? Like, what are we doing? Well, the reason we're doing all this is because we're building up the body of Christ. That's why he gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds. That's the pastor teacher, that's my role. And so he gives my role, your role. My role is to equip the saints, that's you, for the work of ministry. So I'm like the coach at halftime and we're coming in and I'm pulling us together and all our pastors and their staff, Pastor Marty's here, we're just like the coach, we're, we're just, we just pull everybody together at halftime and, and man, we didn't do so good. Kind of behind by 14 points. This is kind of what happens in the Bears locker room. The first half didn't go so good. So we're going to have some adjustments. And, and we're going to make some, we're going to do this, we're going to do, okay, let's go. And, and so we equip the saints for the work of ministry. That's you. So my role is to equip our role. Your role is to do the work of ministry. But some churches, you know, Lone Ranger pastors, I do all the ministry. I take care of all the needs. I wipe all the noses. I do this. I, well, we don't do that. It's because it's unbiblical. Our job is to equip you for the work of ministry. That's the role. And, and why? Because we're building up the body of Christ. Hey, you know what? I mean, I get this, and I've heard this message before, kind of. Like, how long do I have to do this for? Legit question. I mean, how long do I got to serve up in the kids' ministry? Pastor Marty, like, what kind of commitment do I have to give to serve in student ministry? How long is this going? Well, sorry to be the bearer of bad news. Verse 13 answers it. Until we all attain the unity of the faith. I'm not feeling like we're that united. <laughs> so I guess we're not done yet. Until we all know the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. Until we measure up to the stature and fullness of Christ. Put this in perspective. Until you walk like Jesus, talk like Jesus, look like Jesus, act like Jesus, are as mature as Jesus, we ain't done. I don't think we're there yet. <laughs> Why? Because I'm not there yet. And the speed of the team is the speed of the leader. Sorry. We're just not there. And so... All joking aside, it, this is a full-time gig, man. And, you know, this season I'm going to serve here. I'm going to be used here. I'm going to do this. Uh, maybe I need a break. I, I, that's awesome. But, man, time to re-engage. And, and so we're doing this until we achieve, achieve the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about the, by every wind and doctrine. They had issues. They had false doctrine that was influencing the church by human cunning and craftiness and deceitful schemes. Got a long way to go. So 
Are you saying that we're not fulfilling the role in building up? No, I'm not saying that. I got to just tell you, I'm so encouraged by this season in our church. I mean, um, the 51 baptisms on October 3rd. I, I mean, the stories of people and how other people are sharing. And Like, I literally, that was the worst day. As some of you know, I went through this COVID. I was at home on the floor, like literally dying. I, I was in the most pain I've ever, I, honestly, I, I don't know if I've ever been in that bad of a place. And I, I put on, I had on my iPad, I'm watching. I watched every baptism. Like I was just like, for, I, for an hour and a half, it was like reprieve. And then I was like posting on the, um, uh, on the uh, what do you call it, the uh, online chat. I'm posting verses. I'm saying, awesome, man, that's cool. And then I felt like some of the people at home right now. I mean, I just encouraged. And then last week, you, uh, Pastor Marty, again, he's here. Draw reference to his ministry and what God's using him. And they had this place filled with high school and junior high students, what they call false send, gathered from all over. Man, just firing up our students for, to live for Christ. And, and just stop for a moment. Are we mature in the Bible? Man, the, the, the leaders, I, I, I'm always amazed by the people who give their time, their energy, their sacrifice for a weekend to pour into students the next generation. Can we give it up for the Lord? I mean, and not even to say, are we building up the body of Christ? Not even to mention last week, I know it was briefly mentioned, but um, stock the care center. I mean, we're, we're doing stuff. Hey, guess who participated out in Hinsdale? You're gonna, we snapped a picture of a guy we didn't know he was gonna, he participated, check it out. <laughs> Scotty Pippen. He's in Hinsdale and he's helping us out now. He wasn't really helping us out. We just took this picture. <laughs> but somebody asked him, they said, hey, would you mind like coming off the bench and, and getting in the game? And man, we're taking care of some needs here in Hinsdale. Would, would you mind getting in? And he didn't do it. Just like he didn't come in in that 1994 <laughs> playoff game with three seconds left. <laughs> and he doesn't regret it. And we didn't ask him all that. I would have if I was there. No. But all seriousness, I mean, you know, God's doing some things. And, and, and like I was encouraged by our men's focus um, this season for this fall. We just said, hey, you know what? Um, we just want to pour into men. And we've got all these small groups, these growth groups happening, new groups. And they're studying about biblical manhood. And, you know, not too late to jump on ever. I'm in a group on Fridays. I haven't been there, but they came to me. Unbelievable. I'm in the hospital for nine days. I get a call. Look out your window. I look out my hospital. They say, put the light on. I look out my hospital room. This is what I saw. I, I mean, I was just like, I can't tell you. Wasn't able to see anyone. I, just, I was just like, oh my gosh. So I'm standing there in my gown. And I, I'm just like this. I'm just glad I didn't go like this. <laughs> Although I wish I would have. It would have been kind of funny. We're doing it. We're building a body. And I could have said so many other examples. We're doing our best. Let's do it together. And lastly, the Apostle Paul, he tells us about a mark of a unified church. He ends on this one, speak the truth in love. So we've got to challenge our people. And then he gives us two reasons why in the text. I see two reasons. 
the first one is it's gonna grow you up personally, so that's what I see in verse 15. See, speaking the truth in love, it grows us up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So that's what you and I need to be committed to. And, and so you think about blind spots. We all have them, and that's why we gotta speak the truth in love. We're not to beat each other over the head, but, but to let people into your life and to have people who you trust in and, and to be able to speak in community that we can grow together. And then when we grow individually, then he says, then the whole church grows. So that's the second reason, is that he says, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself in love. So then we're characterized, not by division and disunity, over things. Anything. Man, that group over there, they, there's just something different. They, it's, they, they love people. They, they give people time to grow through some things. Man, man they're not judging people. That, that, that's what's happening here. And isn't that the number one characteristic that Jesus said would define the disciple? It's, it's not hate. It's love. And I love what Catherine Ann Porter writes about love. She says, love has to be learned and learned and learned and learned again. It, it, it's never, we never stop. And so that's why we need to listen and identify blind spots. So, so here we go. Here's the list. These are the four marks of the unified church. So if we want to move in unity... This is what Paul says. Now I'm going to flip it. Because for the church to move in unity, you need to move in unity. Every individual and family, I'm giving you your talk now that you need to have as you leave here as husband and wife or maybe with your friend or who you live with and, or your family, that how do we move with unity? This is the, this is the conversation. Now I'm gonna flip it. And so we need to each be pursuing unity. So we need to, are these the marks of each of us? Am I walking in a way that pleases God? Am, am I holding firmly to the basic tenets of the faith? Am, am I fulfilling my role in building up in the body of Christ? Am I speaking the truth in love? I mean, we gotta personalize it. So we've got to individualize it to make it corporate. And so if you're like me, I read this, I'm like, man, I don't know. Kind of would like to meet with the Lord right now. Kind of need to take communion, if I'm honest, because I got some sin to confess. And the bread represents the body that was broken. And the cup represents the blood that was shed. There, there's some things that I know God's not pleased with me, and I need to confess them. Man... I've been fighting over things that aren't worth it. Man, I don't know if I'm really doing what he wants for the glory of the building of the kingdom. Man, I don't know if I'm speaking the truth in love. I think I've been a little harsh with that person or with that family member. My kid, man, I just stink. I blew it again. It'd be great if we could take communion. Oh, you have the cups already. Before you open it, I'm calling the worship team up. This is the most important time. 
And so don't cheat this time. I'm going to give you some specific instructions. Before you take the elements, I'm going to ask that you would turn in your Bibles or turn in your phone or grab a pew Bible and turn to John 17. I want you to read John 17. This is Jesus' prayer for unity. This is his heart for the church. And, and let his heart penetrate your heart. So he's not praying that for some random person. He's praying it for you. He's praying it for your family. He's praying it for each and every one of us. And so let that set the table for how you'll respond. Because that prayer for unity is what Jesus is after. And then when you're ready, take the elements as you hold them in your hand. Ask God to speak to you. And then we're not going to rush it. The worship team will begin singing over you in a moment. They're going to let you read. And then let's just let the Spirit lead. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord, that your prayer for us is in your word. May it speak to us now.